0: Peter, it's
1: good to see you again. You're asking me about Metta and most specifically you're talking about it in the sense of the role of Metta in one's actual practice. All right. We could say that if Metta et cetera uh, is done well and correct then it would be wholesome. And in that regard, okay, no problem, because it's wholesome. Um, But the possibility is is that it's not necessarily wholesome, and it's certainly not um, a means to an end directly. That, in fact, uh, It's kind of complicated, Uh, and part of the complication is the fact that there were uh, those in the time of the Buddha who had already developed a practice of of, uh, metta, and it did exist in that time, and that many of the students who were in that kind of tradition then became bhikkhus and became students of the, the Buddha. Okay, and that part of that was that uh, they then completely modified whatever it was that they were doing, but they did have some things going because there is clear evidence in the suttas that this group of people who practiced this at least knew enough to make sure that the mind was free from hindrances. That's the way that it's all... Uh, discussed is, is that whatever method practice you're going to do means that it's got to be done with the mind free from hindrances, which then makes it wholesome on its own. Ah, uh, as a beginning point, let us say as a uh, uh, as a step on the ladder, but it's not the whole ladder. That it, there there are places where it ends. That there are apexes. Uh, for just that particular practice to where the fulfillment of all of the uh, points of Anapanasate will take us beyond that, all right, that in fact um, to really the way that the Buddha uh, referred to Metta was that it's something that is um, The way that a noble would deal with the world once the mind is noble. Okay. Uh, That it has more to do with the results. That it's not a means to an end. It's uh, a further down the line means. In, a, in, in the way of looking at it as, as an end, but it's basically the way that a, a noble mind is going to treat others. Um, but in the Western mentality that has been brought to Buddhism, the Western mentality has layers of magical thinking that are so very deep into the mentality and the culture and the structure of the human mind that even atheists, have a lot of this still magical thinking going on.
0: Mm. Okay, I see.
1: And so uh, this magical thinking then comes into Buddhism when the Westerner becomes interested and they hear about metta, they begin to see it as a magical metta. They begin to draw references to the teachings of Jesus and love and all of that kind of stuff. All right, And so we've got, as Westerners, some built-in baggage already in there. <laughs> uh, and so if we then understand that really the job that we have to do is, in the beginning, is to get the mind really cleaned out. And that we do that when there is nothing else going on in the sense of seclusion. When we are completely secluded from the world, that means that we are now not in a position to deal with other people with or without meta, because here they are not, they are not here. And we don't have to deal with them while we're working or while we're developing the skills that we're working with or working on. Um, and And that what we, actually are interested in doing is to getting the mind really fit for work. This is one's right effort. And so people will say, well, isn't meta then, if that's wholesome and that's one's right effort, isn't that okay? And my answer to that is, all right, okay. The question is, is, is there other things that you can say because other some people, in fact, I will I will tell you for sure that it is commonly known that especially elderly women who practice Vipassana and therefore will have metta, they'll really get a kick out of it. It seems to be a really excellent practice for all women over the age of about 70. <laughs> they really, really like it. Okay. okay, metta has something for them. But young bucks don't get much out of the practice of metta
0: okay
1: all right so uh it has to do with personality and other things okay. like that but we when we begin to understand that nutta is actually more of the result of having a clean mind
0: uh, okay. then we
1: recognize that the real job to do is to clean the mind
0: and, i have a question to that all right um, if you're practicing um, sati during everyday life, let's say, you know that you are walking. Should you bring up right effort only if unwholesome thoughts come up or should you practice it together with it? Should you practice, you know, you are walking and in the second moment, bringing up wholesome thoughts, although there are no unwholesome thoughts?
1: Um, the The answer to that is that we can do a better, a deeper investigation. All right, in, in the sense of uh, doing more evaluation, basically what's going to happen over time is uh, the beginning student is going to have almost all the thoughts are wholesome and there's a few unwholesome in there sort of like a few rotten apples will spoil the barrel and they don't realize that they've got already uh, the whole barrel spoiled, (laughs) but they don't see that. And so what happens over a period of time is the beginners then gain the skill of discernment. Now this skill of discernment is also the skill of investigation, the skill of taking right view and looking at things from various angles just like you would take up a piece of fruit. You look at it, it looks good. You throw it out, or you throw it in the good bin, right? No, we actually want to look a little closer at it. Okay. Maybe it looks good until we inspect and know there's a wormhole in this apple. <laughs> and There's a whole family in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Uh, This is a way of then beginning to understand that, no, this is really all about keeping the investigation going. Really putting up your standards higher and higher and higher.
0: So together with practicing sati during everyday life, you should also practice investigation of what is going on in the mind.
1: What is going on in the mind? How you feel, how you're thinking, what thoughts are there, what the mind is doing. And also in the sense of immediately throwing out anything that is unwholesome and replacing it with something that is wholesome. Ah. And right? let's say yeah.
0: let's say your mind is completely stilled during the practice. Should you then just enjoy the stillness or should you bring up wholesome thoughts? Because that is the problem. Um, with I would yesterday. say that in certain
1: cases that you would do one and in other cases you would do the other depending upon circumstances and, and other things like that but generally if you get yourself into a uh, let us say a, a state of mind where the thoughts have been suspended altogether, that's more more momentary doesn't last very long and if it did last for very long you'd be pretty useless into For your life. Okay. Think about it like this. If you can get yourself into that state where there are no thoughts, just long gaps between the thoughts, then you you're not going to do anything. Yeah. Right? You're not. And the cops can walk right up to you. Maybe you're sitting on your front porch or whatever, and you're not going to respond to them. You're determined <laughs> not to respond to them. You're determined not to start the old uh, thought factory back up. You can, in fact, get arrested. Yeah. <laughs> you come out of that state in jail. All right? This is not a state that, that we want to shoot for. I don't know why Westerners have the idea of... Uh, let us say actually in a way being out of it is a good thing
0: yeah
1: and everything about the word even the word buddha itself means to wake up to come up in awareness okay now in that state where between the thoughts there is still a whole lot of stuff that needs to be evaluated and it's all wholesome now But it still needs to be evaluated in the sense of perhaps it's tinged or it can be improved, that in fact, going over the various skills that we are developing and checking that out and saying, how am I doing on this and how am I doing on that is exactly the right thing to do. Uh. OK, these this state of wholesome thoughts. OK, so one of the things that's uh, when students can understand this first, one, they can begin to understand them all, and that is that one of the things that we really want to investigate is how is my investigation?
0: Mm-hmm. I see. So okay. yeah, investigation, Am I able
1: be... to see things clearly. Am I really looking closely? Another one would be to investigate the Sati. How sharp? How powerful, how often, how repetitive does it come? In other words, can I get it going in the sense of every in-breath is a long, deep in-breath with sati, and every out-breath is a long, deep breath with sati? How's my sati going? In and out and in and out, and we know it. And that really builds confidence when we start checking these things off. How's my sati? How's my right effort? And in that regard, we can talk about it also in the sense of enthusiasm, and also the right attitude. How is my attitude? Do I feel like I can do this? Am I on top of this game or what? Okay, yeah. and 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 so we begin to develop right attitude and we begin to do that by investigating it. How is my attitude? How is my fifty? How is my feeling of, like I'm on top of the
0: world? This was exactly the problem I was fronting because I fear that most western monks only teach the sati and thereby just the stilling of the mind until the point there is really nothing and i if i get you right then it's the investigation that is the very key point to do if the mind is stilled
1: yes whether the mind is still or not is always to remember to do that investigation to keep looking that in fact, the whole, here's an interesting point about that. They call it Vipassana, no. And they talk yeah. about Vipassana in their sense of insight, no. Well, if you're really not even bothering to look, you're not going to get a whole lot of insight. But if you're really digging into it, you're really investigating and really on top of the game. That's when you're going to see a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. All right. That's what this investigation is all about, and it needs to be done with a bit of effort or energy that comes with the Sati and the right investigation. uh, Is premised actually, they the the three of them work together Sati and right effort and right view run and circle around each other so that Sati gives you the effort that you need, and the effort that you need is to uh, purify your view so that your view is a right view. And how do you get the view to be a right view is because of the investigation through right view and the effort to remember to keep keep looking and keep looking and keep looking and it begins to really purify. Always looking and the purification is also throwing out the unwholesome. Every time something unwholesome comes up, we throw it out, leaving us with more or less nothing but wholesome things to be investigated. Things that are really really deep in there can be investigated now in a brand new way that we couldn't see before partly because the mind wasn't settled down enough or ready to see things like directly at consciousness or directly into perception or directly to see that how the cessation of perception is also the cessation of feeling.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. These are the kinds of things that we can investigate, but we do it also from the perspective of as things arise, the old thought falls away or the mind moment. It keeps changing. Everything is in, in flux. Everything is changing and We normally are only seeing things because we can see it arise. An example of what we're talking about has to do with the physiology of sight and the physiology of the brain in the sense that you can be looking or gazing or just off in the distance. And what's the very first thing that's going to catch your eye? Movement. 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 Okay, you see something move, and it catches your eye. An example of that is that you can have a bug on the floor that's almost the same color as the floor as a background, and you don't see it at all. But if it moves, if it crawls, you can see it. Yeah. All right. So this is what we're getting at, then, is is that But when we're at this level of really doing a sharp investigation, we begin to see a whole lot of stuff is moving in the mind. A whole lot of stuff is going on, and it arises and passes away, and arises and passes away, and arises and passes away. But normally what people see is that movement in the sense of the arisal. Yeah. Okay, we can only see something when it's moving, but when it stops moving or when it ceases or when it's gone, it's hard to detect again yeah and what we need to start doing according to the buddhist practice and is really all over the place is begin to also watching watch the fading away and the dying off mm-hmm. of these thought moments
0: yeah i see
1: that because what that helps us to do is to understand that these thought moments whether they're verbal or otherwise are constantly in flux and that there's no reason to get attached to one thought or another because none of them are me. And so you're
0: so purchasing impermanence and anatta at the same time.
1: Exactly. And, okay. and anatta and impermanence uh, and anicca all together. Um, and that when uh, you see when things change, that's when dukkha arises normally. Mm-hmm. But when things are uh, copacetic, we're not paying any attention to something. But when something catches our eye, then that's something new and it requires us to go do something. Therefore, that's the me that is born as the vehicle for the doing. And we're beginning now instead to merely, uh, let us say, with keen, sharp... um, investigation that does have discernment built into it we're watching that sequence so that we can begin to make connections to where we can stop it right there oh, okay. and then other things we can begin we can stop it right there and I think talks about this it, uh, very importantly in the sense of in the first jhana where we still have thoughts but they are one wholesome thought after another wholesome thought after another wholesome thought. This is when we have applied and sustained thought. Bhikkhu buddha das talks about this in the sense of a mind that's fit for work.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, for investigation. And,
1: mm-hmm, for investigation. And now, what's the work? The investigation. It's,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: Sure. <laughs> yeah. And. The result of that investigation is is that the feelings that uh, arise are really good, magnificent feelings because we haven't been going through the unwholesome thought process that's sprung through perception into bad feelings. We're not doing that now. We're very wise right at that point of contact so that everything that contacts us becomes hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Surely. <laughs> I
0: really had problems to, to pose my question, but I feel that you really answered the key of my, my problems that I was facing, because I always thought you can practice only one thing at a time, only sati or only right effort, but now I feel that they are all yoked together, just like Anatta and anicca.
1: Mm -hmm. and And that they do work one at a time but they can follow along in quick succession so that you can have all three of them cycling within a second within a half a second within a full second they'll cycle several times
0: yeah
1: all right and so that's pretty fast the question is can you begin to see the mind circling at that speed that's what we're actually beginning to do. Uh, this is here's an, a real world analogy of this, and that is, is that uh, you have seen videos of something happening, and then it got too close, and that the cameraman was affected by whatever it was that's happening, and then now you don't see anything else because the camera's just gone haywire; it's no longer stable. Right? Yeah. Okay so we can think of this in fact in the old old days with cameras they had to put them on a tripod and open the lens for a long period of time otherwise things would get blurred but now we have uh, a whole generation of brownie cameras and film cameras and all of that kind of stuff and the speed of the film and the exposure and the amount of light had to be determined but now that we have digital that Um, We can make all kinds of changes and and arrangements electronically so that we can deal with things. But the important point is, is that there is still a particular speed at which those pixels are there. And that if the camera is not steady, even videos will be blurred. But in fact, uh, blurred imagery is what the mind eye does itself that when when something is going really fast, it goes by in what we call a blur. Sure. Right? Yeah. That's, that means that things are moving faster than we can catch. Mm-hmm. And so if we can get that camera very, very steady with very high quality film, now we can take photos of things that couldn't be seen before. An example of that was back in the 1880s. This was a big deal at the time. I mean, a really huge deal uh, uh, about a horse race and horse racing. And the question that became a high-stakes bet was, is there any point in time when a high-quality racehorse has all four feet off the ground at the same time, or is the horse always some foot in contact with the earth? Uh, yeah, Okay, this was a big question 170 years ago, (laughs) but now (laughs) I always say, well, let me get my cell phone camera out and we'll see, (laughs) right? (laughs) Well, what they did have is they did have primitive cameras, and the way that they did it is they set up a whole bunch of cameras right along the line with tripwires, and they had to do several... um, Changes of where they put the trip wires for each camera and whatnot, like that, but eventually started getting some good photos. And yeah, they finally did get one good photo of a horse that had a, at full race speed, all four feet off the ground, and those guys won the bet. <laughs> all right. Now, why we're talking about that is because we're actually talking about these people were arguing over something that none of them could see. But in meditation, that's kind of the same thing, is that when we get really sharp with our sati, when we keep practicing it over and over again, sometimes those blurs that go by in the mind, we get a really clean photo of it. Yeah. And by doing so, we can really see how the mind works. And so this is the thing that we want to then start paying attention to. Is sometimes we begin to pay attention to something. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's pay attention to that what happened you know i'm going to be ready next time that comes by
0: <laughs> so first genre is like having a high-tech camera yes it's, it's, slow camera
1: right and and also we got really high quality film in the sense that all the thoughts are wholesome
0: yeah a very clean film
1: is very keen for that. Okay, now when we have the mind that's completely wholesome like that, then uh, that's the kind of a state of mind that would be also useful for thinking about uh, the Dhamma and thinking about how it applies to this present moment. And in that regard, thoughts about metta as they fit into the Dhamma or how does metta work as a package Yeah. is worth now worthwhile thinking of, mulling over, what's my, uh, let us say it this way, funny in a way, what's my plan of attack on the world? How am I going to flood the place with Metta?
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay, because and we think of it like that because uh, you see, when people sit in meditation with little phrases like, may all beings be happy, their mind is really not already in that really clear state.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I see.
1: All right, we need to get the mind free from hindrances, and then the method will be um, useful, valuable, and wholesome. And one of the mistakes, one of the uh, delusions or uh, pollutions that we have is the quality of thinking about all beings or Everywhere. Rather than thinking of it as a more local universal.
0: Okay, I don't really get that.
1: Okay. That um, in Metta they talk about the six stations, the four six points of the compass going off in all directions going and going and going and going all together, you know? Yeah. But that's not the right way to look at it, that in fact there is original perspective that, ca- that came from in the sense of that uh, around each one of us are six kinds of people that we deal with. In the sense that on one side is family, on the other side is friends, in front of us are our business associates mm-hmm. and people that we work with. Behind us are the people who are trying to stab us in the back. The people that are below us are the social workers and are, are, let us say, social waiters in hotels, all of those kind of people for nowadays. But in some times, we actually do have servants, employees, and those kind of people would be below us. And then those above us would be the priests, the cops, the politicians. Uh, Yeah. Okay. And in, in this regard, we're going to treat all of those different people that we actually have in our life and associate with. That this meta, if we spend it out too far, it's going to peter out. I mean, it doesn't have so much value 100,000 miles from here as it does within 10 feet of you. Yeah. (laughs) And this is what we have to understand about what the world really is, is that the world that we live in not the world that we wish that we lived in or that is a big, wide, wonderful world. It's only a big, wide, wonderful world as far as I can stretch. And after that, the world is delusional in the yeah. sense that I think I know what it is. Yeah. Even if i have been there, it's still now not the same as it was when I was there. <laughs> But like Herodotus says, you can't step in the same world twice, only he used the word river. (laughs) All right, so in this regard, the people who are practicing metta with May All Beings Be Happy are just being in in a conceptual kind of thinking. Yeah. That really what we need to do, and there's another point about it. And that is, is that in some metta practices, they say, well, why don't you bring some of your friends up and give metta to them while you're sitting on the floor in a meditation hall at a certain time of day? And the answer to that is, is that, well, the real teachings of the Buddha would say, let's be here now and right here. Now that person is not here. Yeah. Let me practice instead. How am I going to feel? When I do see him, rather than trying to pretend something that's not real right now.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. Let's practice instead. How's my meta? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is investigation, right?
1: Investigation, precisely. Yeah. How's my meta? Yeah. How, how is my enthusiasm? Yeah. How is my juice? Am I good to go here or what? Okay, and so this is and, – and it's uh, – in a way, it's almost like a pep talk.
0: What is it's, a pep talk?
1: A, well, a pep talk is the kind of talk that um, a coach would give his team before the uh, uh, the game. Ah. Okay. Come like on, guys. We know speech. you can do that. Let's get pumped up. That piece of trash out there <laughs> is just going to get <laughs> run right over it. And everybody's like, yeah, <laughs> And the pep talk has also been right before battle when Caesar's out there in front of his troops. And all he has to do is walk up and down in front of them to let them know he's here. And then occasionally he'll put his arm in the air and the whole crowd will just break right open with cheers and yells and all kinds of stuff, right? This is what we're talking about, is is that uh, we can start to deal with the world as if we were right on top of it. That you're the boss of this life. And when you have that kind of self-confidence, it exudes. Everybody can see it. Nobody misses when someone has that something. <laughs> <laughs> and so the question is, can we develop that? And the answer is, what do you mean? And I says, okay, we're going right back to the eightfold noble path, and especially this business of right of uh, view gives one a noble view of things right effort gives us the effort to bring the mind up to that noble level and we're doing it often then the right attitude is is that we are in fact on top of the world and there's many little things that we see in our culture that presents this one of them that i think is kind of funny is the one is hold my beer (laughs) okay you know what that means don't you Yeah, I know what that means. It means that there's a problem over there and I'm up to the task. Hold my beer, I'm on (laughs) it. (laughs) Okay, this is... Now, whatever the uh, situation is, wholesome or unwholesome, we're still talking about that attitude, that can-do, got-it-done attitude. This is the attitude that we're looking for, is the attitude of, yeah, meta, got a (laughs) bucket (laughs) of...
0: Okay, right.
1: And who are we going to spread it on? The very people that are in the world that I'm around, not yeah. people way out over there. That all those people out over there is just a story, perhaps a news story.
0: Yeah. And to get it right, if the Buddha says spread meta to the front, to the back, to the right, that is this is meant metaphorically, that to the right yeah. you say it's the family and above it's it's the noble ones
1: Mm -hmm. mm-hmm exactly so it's to the people around you in your general vicinity and that we treat them well because we treat our own mind very well that's the only way that we treat things with joy and happiness yeah happy (laughs) um
0: Mm -hmm. i have a um i have a practical question um let's say I'm riding the bike and there is anger in me, then the first step would be to recognize, ah, there's anger in my mind. And then the second step would be relax or life is wonderful or this is the way to do it. Is that right?
1: Anger generally arises out of there, there is a point that they call fight or flight, and anger is going to be the fight,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Okay, and that that arises out of something, and it arises out of freeze, but the first thing, and in fact, this is the whole concept of the deer in the headlight, or oh, why does the kangaroo in Australia, when it's out on the road and the car is coming, the Australian, Kangaroo just, in fact, all of the trucks that they have that go out into the forest have what they call rhubars. (laughs) They cost several hundred dollars to put on the front of those trucks because you're going to hit that rhub because (laughs) he will not get out of the way. He's too stupid to get out of the way or he's actually completely frightened. He's frozen in fear. Yeah all right this is what happens so in fact by the time the anger has risen we have maybe spent already five or ten seconds completely frozen in fear and didn't even know it Uh, yeah and what and what's happening in the brain is we're trying to make sure that it's really okay to get that angry And then we kind of like pull the trigger. But when we do that, the question is, how soon can we catch it? Can we catch it before we ever open our mouth? Can Mm -hmm. we catch it after we've just had one outburst? Mm -hmm. Do we have to just yak and yak and yak and yak before we figure out that we're going down the rabbit hole? How soon is it in anger? Can we figure it out? Normally, what happens is, is that uh, in in general conversations that have to do with arguments and anger and whatnot like that, people do wake up to this is headed in the wrong direction. Hmm. This is going south. You can see those moments when the guy will uh, uh, have an exasperated look on his face, throw his arms down, turn around and walk out, slamming the door on the way out of the room.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. This uh-huh. is what we're talking about. That's finally waking up. We're trying to have a little wisdom to recognize this is not going anywhere productive. This has gone south.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. So the question is, how soon can we wake up to that?
0: Uh, yeah.
1: How and that soon is the fruit. Wake
0: mm-hmm. That is the fruit of the practice.
1: So the fruit of the practice is, is that we don't have to have, ever show anybody else that we're angry. Yeah. Then, in fact, if we can catch it fast enough, we can say, "Come on, I got a job for you over here, boy."
0: <laughs>
1: okay, so we can actually deal with people the way that we would want to deal with them if we weren't driven to deal with them by our instincts.
0: Yeah. Mhm.
1: How would you want to deal with people? You would want to deal with people naturally in a very happy, friendly way. Surely. And everybody is like that. I don't know of anybody here, but nobody does it like that. We're suspicious of strangers. Surely. Okay. So it's it's those uh, underlying fears, those underlying tendencies, the instincts of that drive our lives in this kind of subliminal way that we don't quite understand, because we don't look at it. But if you keep looking at it, you'll begin to see hints of, of that kind of stuff, because right now, we're keeping the mind really wholesome. So in that regard, we can begin to see these little rats. <laughs> running, running <laughs> running <around>. <laughs> <laughs> and then with that, we can say, aha, I can see that too. We can see these underlying tendencies, these uh, instant thoughts that bring up anxiety. And if there's anxiety, we can deal with that happily, friendly, too. We can say, anxiety, what's that? Oh, If I breathe in and out, does it go up and down? Up, yeah. down, back, forth. Can I play with this? This is not anxiety. This is just a weird feeling. Let me breathe into it and see what it's about. But if we call it anxiety, we don't like it, we hate it, we try to get rid of it. And by
0: doing that, we're putting ourselves in a state to make more of it.
1: It's so simple. This whole thing is just so simple to just turn everything around. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And by I see turning this
1: one little thing around, and that is taking unwholesome thoughts out of the mind and putting only wholesome thoughts in, and then keep watching.
0: Yeah. And I also feel that during our talk or throughout our talks, my practice really changed a lot because now there's way much more investigation and way much more effort in my practice, which completely changed the practice itself. Mm hmm. So not only practicing sati, which is completely senseless because you just get stillness of the mind and then there's just nothingness and you don't really get something out of it.
1: In a way, you're right. I hadn't thought about it like that. In in this sense, here's the phrase, the one-fold noble path.
0: (laughs) The one-fold noble path. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. What is the one-fold noble path? Yeah, I mean, e- even when you forget about everything, at least the last thing that we've got, the most important <laughs> point is shati. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: that's so jumping even, the low fence.
1: Uh-huh. So that's the first point always. Um, is if we can remember if we can't remember, then we can't uh perform uh the little set of tools that we have to, uh, to work with the skills if we forget to use them. that we have to remember. That's yeah. what the whole practice is, is to, the, is to getting up that ability to keep remembering and remembering and remembering and remembering because the natural condition of the mind is to just wander off. Yeah. Yeah, that's the natural condition of the mind. And so the question is, when you let it wander off, are you going to let it wander off only into wholesome places? Are you going to let it wander off into all kinds of places it's been going before? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's the way of also looking at it is, is that, yeah, the job here is to get the mind wholesome. That's the big job. And if we get the mind completely wholesome and have gladdening, wholesome thoughts, then the feelings will come around quite easily, quite naturally. That Mm. our feelings will be feelings of security and safety and and not fear. Yeah. will people comfortable and uh, secure, not insecure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it's hard for people to understand that all insecurity and all discomfort is mentally created.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Until we begin to practice the fact that we can create quite a paradise. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Especially because during everyday life there's so much negativity. Like in youth, it's always just negativity and just um, a seed for having fear and anger and and such.
1: comes with their territory mm. if it if it leads it bleeds this is a very famous journalistic perspective mm-hmm. you you want your most bloody worst case yeah. do scenario on front page every day that sells newspapers
0: yeah
1: <laughs> yeah all right well i don't know why uh there's another word for it this kind kind of common i don't know if you've heard of it before and that is rubbernecking
0: no i've never heard of that before
1: rubbernecking is when you're in uh that you're driving down the road and beside the road is an accident that they are trying to clean up there may be bodies there may be whatever like that Mm -hmm. and everybody who's traveling down that road while they're traveling is
0: yeah (laughs) Your <laughs> <Their,
1: their laughs> neck gets really rubbery, <laughs> <Why>? because <laughs> they love the duca. They want. They want to know what what's the matter is. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you could say, in that regard, that human beings, uh, whether or not it's instinctual, and there's arguments on both sides, but for sure, it is learned behavior that we learn to be problem-solving machines. Yeah. And so what are we doing? We're out looking for problems all the time. And yeah. so newspapers <laughs> cater to that. Yeah. They say, today's problems, today's problems, come and get it, come and get it.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, so it's all mind meant. The last time you were saying mind precedes, precedes those states and I see that exactly because of those things. Mm-hmm. Life,
1: Which means that when we start having a really, really wholesome mind, one of the things is is that we don't want we don't have much att- reason to pay any attention to any of that stuff other than the humor quality of it, because sometimes it's quite hilarious. So long as <laughs> they haven't hooked you, if they hook you, then they're going to take you for a ride. But if they don't <laughs> hook you then, you, then some of it is just absolutely hilarious. <laughs>
0: <laughs> huh.
1: But anyway, about media, it's the same thing. It's Mm. just another way you can look at media and see that it's just another way of the human mind operates in the sense that um, we get gratification. Out of doing things that are actually harmful. Mm. Yeah. And that that's part of the waking up process. That's what we're investigating to find out that some of the things that we really delighted in actually cost more than they're worth. We begin to do a cost benefit analysis as part of that investigation. Is this, and so it's a kind of another way of looking at this is this DUCA or not? Mm, yeah. is, in the, is it worthwhile or not? Is yeah. this more trouble than it's worth? And oftentimes yeah. news pro- programs are like that. Well, <laughs> I've had about a minute of this and this yeah. is not worth the effort. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah and effort is the very right word because you know, it's so easy to get angry, but you really have to make an effort to put on something awesome because it's like you say, the natural state of mind is to wander off and to be hateful or angry and you really have to make an effort.
1: Mm-hmm. so it's worthwhile doing this is part of the reason why you have sanghas and wats and temples and all of that kind of stuff is a haven from the unwholesome
0: mm.
1: unfortunately so many people go there and bring their unwholesome right in with them <laughs> <laughs> no guards at the door unfortunately yeah. but in any case you you understand that guarding the mind is extraordinarily valuable.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: It really is it's it's, it's very much like clean, taking a bath, taking a bath for the mind. Yeah. Constantly taking a bath for the mind.
0: Yeah. And I feel that. yeah, <laughs> and I feel that the practice is immediately effective because after one or two days you really mm. recognize a change in your life.
1: Right, and this whole recognition of that change is also a part and parcel of the attitude. Attitude mm. really changes.
0: Mm. So you say, I can do this.
1: Or... I can do this. Wow, yeah. this is nice. This is great stuff. You know, yeah. that, that kind of attitude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, I can feel this good. Woo! I didn't know it could be this good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, definitely. Instead of where's my next sense pleasure? Ah, uh, uh-huh. pumping up my bank account and then spending yeah. money on holiday. And this should be, yeah, definitely.
1: Okay. So we'll leave it with that. You know what to practice now. So, yeah. Go have fun. You got yeah. new toys to play with. <laughs> yeah.
0: Thank you very much, Pante. Thank you. Okay. See you next time.
1: Okay. Bye bye.